Tonight here at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down our Bible teachings and tonight's message is on the book of Daniel. Uh, this is set after the first attack that Babylon had on Jerusalem, you know, and some of the Israelites were taken into captive back into Babylon, you know, and Daniel and, and three of his buddies were part of that crew. They got transported from Jerusalem to Babylon, you know, and they walked that walk. <clears throat> so amongst all these Israelites, there's these four men, and they were considered wise men. You know, they had wisdom, and that they were put into service to the kingdom. You know, David was later known as uh, by his Babylonian name, uh, Belhelazar. And his three f- friends that you most commonly know through their Babylon names, not their real names because of the stories, is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This book is designed for us to find hope in the midst of things not going our way. Even though that there was, they were being conquered, God was still in the midst of it. Even though things were falling apart, God was still at work. Even though that everything was destroyed and their hopes and their dreams as far as Jerusalem and the temple, that they would probably never see it again, God was still on the move. You know, Daniel and his friends were, you know, a very instrumental part in Babylon in what was going on as far as keeping that remnant alive. <clears throat> you know, as they were recruited to serve in the, in the Babylonian, you know, wise men, because they would collect all these different, they would collect soldiers, they would collect wise men, they would collect shepherds, they would collect all sorts of different things. But Babylonian, Babylon was this kind of center to the world at that time. So they were collecting all these different things. They were absorbing all these different cultures. They would absorb the wisdom from all these different cultures and kind of pick and choose what they liked and what they didn't like. <clears throat> so as they were, you know, brought into the palace, you know, they were influenced in ways that, that went away, away, away from their culture. You know, we hear about, you know, the Daniel fast, you know, that it's all fruits and vegetables and, and and things that aren't really desirable. But that's not really how it started. You know, because of their culture and because of the foods in Babylon, they were going to be asked to eat things that went against their their culture, or went against the Torah. You know, most likely they were going to be asked to eat pork and, and a few other things that they were not allowed to eat because it was detestable in their eyes. So Daniel went to the main cook and said, hey, let's do this a different way. Just give us these vegetables. And the cook was scared. And he's like, you know, he made this bargain with him that if we we do it for the short amount of time, that if we start to look sickly, then we'll eat what you ask us to eat. But at the end of their little trial, they actually looked healthier and, and stronger than the other people that they'd brought in. So they allowed them to continue to eat the way they chose to eat, you know. So it's important that we realize that culture sometimes drags us into places we shouldn't be. You know, culture asks us to to compromise in areas that we shouldn't compromise. You know, that this world today tells us that all sorts of things are, are acceptable, but our Bible tells us that certain things are detestable. You know, and it's important 
that we, when we're put into the crunch, that we are willing to stand up for our God. You know, or stand up for our belief system. You know, I don't believe that we have to run around chasing everybody, telling them that they need to behave. But I do believe that when I'm put in a situation, if you ask me, then I ask to to stand up for what I believe is true. You know, however, because Jesus is awesome, we can eat anything we want to today. Jesus loves bacon. Just remember that. Only when it's crispy. <laughs> Wise words of we are. You know, that this culture wants us to give up our identity. You know, that it wants us to call us by different names. You know, that it's so important that we don't just say we're Christians and then we live the way the world is asking us to live. You know, I think that far too many of us say that we're Christians, but if you were to put us in a a spiritual lineup that we smell and look and talk and act just like everybody else who doesn't say they believe in Jesus, that I think that when we're in our workplaces, when we're in our families, when we're in our neighborhoods, that the people that are around us should be able to, like, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that girl. And maybe they don't understand it completely why we carry ourselves differently. But when they ask us, we should be able to say that my faith in Christ, you know, I have, I believe that I'm supposed to live a different way. You know, that I think far too many times that we go off, you know, on the crusade that I'm a Christian, you know, and yet we point fingers and we judge the people that are around us. And that the truth of the matter is there's no love in us. You know, that the world knows us by what we're judgmental against. The world knows us what we, what we won't tolerate. But the Bible tells us that they should know us by our love. You know, and I think that there's a line sometimes, but I think that more times than not, that we, we go around Bible bashing people and we're not really loving on people. And I think that if we loved on people more, then they might be a little bit more receptive to hear what we have to say when it comes to the Word of God. You know, a lot of times we say, well, it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. But if you don't believe in what we believe, the Bible isn't really credible to them. It's credible to us, but a lot of times Christians don't even read their Bible, so they don't even know what's in it. You know, so it's important that we get to know our Word. You know, as as, as Daniel and his buddies were in the Torah, that they knew what God was expecting them to, to to do and how to live and how to act. When they were put into this crisis in their lives, they relied on God above all of the things. You know, in the end, the king of Babylon promotes them because of their wisdom. You know, the king has this dream, and he's kind of freaked out about it, and he asks all the wise men to, to tell him what the dream means. And no one can really tell him what the dream means. So basically he's going to be like off of their heads. I'm killing everybody. And then at the last second, you know, Daniel hears about it. And he says, well, I'll seek God. You know, a lot of times we are not seeking God for our answers. You know, we'll seek a friend. We'll look on Facebook. We'll Google it. We'll Wikipedia things. But turning to God in prayer and into his word a lot of times it's the last place we turn, and it's because the fire gets turned up. 
you know. But through this, through prayer, and, and Daniel seeking the Lord, he's able to interpret, you know, the king's dream, and he promotes him, and, and he is put into this position of influence. You know, it's so important that we're seeking God. You know, a lot of times that we have, you know, what Joyce would say is Christian bumper stickers or Christian sayings, a Christian coffee cup, but we have no Christ. You know, and it's so important that we are pursuing the Lord in all of these different areas of our lives and, and asking Him what we should be doing. You know, should I take that job? Should I go to that school? How should I handle this situation? What should I do with this coworker? How do I handle that? How do I handle this? You know, what's the Word say? What's the Holy Spirit telling us? You know, as we go to Him in prayer. You know, so as these things are happening, you know, He has this dream of this statue. And it freaks the king out because he doesn't know what it means. You know, and... Basically, the statue is broken up into these different segments, you know, and, and Daniel's able to tell him that this part of the statue represents Babylon, and this part of the statue represents Assyria and Greece, and, and eventually it, it's talking about the kingdom of God is going to consume all these things. That one day that God is going to establish his kingdom, and he's going to humble all these arrogant kings and kingdoms, you know, and it's so important that we realize that that God is still in the midst of every situation in our lives. So often, you know, we get in a, a pattern of sin or a pattern of, of, you know, doing things our own way, and we think that God's not paying attention. You know, but God is always paying attention. You know, and His timing is perfect. You know, I look at my life, and I see how He's moved in my life, Especially when I said I didn't believe in him. You know, and how he, he rescued me from myself. On the, on the bit, on the, on the verge of suicide and how he would come in and, and how I was going crazier and crazier in my addiction and he put me in jail. You know, in, in the moment you're like, ah! You know, you're so angry. I was so angry. But when I look back at it, jail was one of the best things that I could ever have happen to me. Because it made me realize that something needs to change in my life. Was I ready for Jesus? Was I ready to come to church? Absolutely not. But I was ready to stop doing some of the things that I was doing and looking to change. You know, I have this little thing that I say is that AA brought me to God, but my sin brought me to Jesus. You know, and before I was willing to get sober, I wouldn't have ever went to AA. You know, and even though I went to rehab and I did this and I did that and I go to a meeting here and there, I had no intentions of really being serious about change. You know, I remember when they first, you know, tried to get me to go to outpatient rehab because of probation. It's like, if you don't show up, you're going to jail. And I'm like, I guess I'm going. But I went wasted, you know, and I kept trying to dodge the system. But eventually my own actions caught up with me and back in jail I was. You know, that probation didn't need to throw me in there. I put myself in there by my own actions. You know, so my own arrogance and my own pride ended up destroying the kingdom of Tom and bringing me to a place of humility as his justice, you know, begins to reign in my life. You know, each one of us has a situation where we were doing our own thing, living our lives the way we thought we should be living them, 
and then destruction began to come into our lives and pain began to come into our lives and things begin to fall apart and we begin to think like, you know, I need to be open to God. I need to seek God. I need to, to figure out this Jesus stuff. You know, because God's reign is in every one of our lives, even sometimes when we can't see it. You know, next we see the stories that some of us are familiar with, you know, that, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get caught up because they want everybody to worship the statue of the king. And they refuse to worship the statue of the king, you know, and they get caught not bowing down when they're supposed to bow down. And they get brought before the king, and the king tells them to bow down, and they're like, no, we're not bowing down. And he says, well, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And they're like, that's all right. Throw us in the furnace if you want. God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship the one true God. You know, and and this is such a powerful statement because the king gets really angry at that statement because he thinks that he's God. So he tells them to pump up the furnace even seven times hotter, so hot that it ends up killing the guards that are guarding the furnace as they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. And after a minute, they see that there's not just three, but there's four people inside the furnace, and it looks like they're fine. You know, and I talked about it before, about a Christophany. It's Jesus in his glorified body showing up here on earth in the midst of a situation. You know, and Jesus... In this, in this time, walks them out of the fire of the furnace. You know, there's, there's something more to say about that. Now, are we gonna leave here and, and have some situation where the government or the police are gonna throw us in a furnace? No. Most likely not in this country. However, I think that we go through things that are, you know, difficult. You know, and it's important for us to honor God in these situations. You know, well, you're going to lose your job if you continue to talk about Jesus. Well, maybe I'm going to lose my job if I'm willing to talk about Jesus. You know, that family member won't come over because you talk about Jesus too much. Well, maybe you need to talk about Jesus more. You know, like, it's hard to say. You have to pray through each one of these situations. You know, however, God will always deliver us from anything when we're representing him. Now, it may feel like persecution. It, it absolutely might be persecution. Because there's, you know, principalities and, and powers in the unseen world that we don't see, that we don't battle flesh and blood. We don't battle people. We battle the stuff that's on them or around them. And it's so important that we realize that when we're walking forward for Jesus, things come against us. You know, <clears throat> so as they stood up, for God, and were walked out of this situation, the king of Babylon began to worship Yahweh and saying that you worship the one true God. That when we go through certain situations and they see that we walk through with a peace and a grace, that the people around us that don't believe will say, there's something about him, there's something about her, there's something about their belief system that helps them to walk through with a grace and the peace that I don't know what that is, that I don't know what that is. And they may just turn to ask us questions or come to realize that Jesus is the only way. You know, next we see, you know, this, there's this pair of stories 
you know, and Nebuchadnezzar and his son, um, Belshazzar, you know, <clears throat> you know, are very prideful men because they're kings, you know, and God begins to deal with their pride, even though that they're imperial, even though they're they're emperors, that you know, God takes us into certain places where He humbles us. You know, the Bible tells us that pride always comes before the fall. You know, and we we watch how God used Babylon to 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 truly spank Israel when they were being bad, and then He comes in and deals with them and shows them that they're not in charge either. You know, so you know as they go through this, you know they give you know they give them God gives them dreams, and again Daniel is the one that interprets the dreams. You know, and at first the kings resist because of their pride. They're not going to humble themselves because, you know, who are you to tell me what to do? Well, the spirit comes on Nebuchadnezzar where he loses his mind. You know, and he's acting crazy and he's off into the field and he's eating grass and he's kind of losing, you know, all senses of reality. But then he humbles himself and God restores us, stores him back to his sanity, you know. And he's put back into the place of king. You know, his son, on the other hand, refuses to humble himself and ends up getting assassinated. Now, most likely, most of us, if we don't humble ourselves, someone's not going to assassinate us. However, you know, there has been situations in my life where I don't humble myself and my pride gets me in trouble. I don't know about you, but usually that's the way this stuff works. You know, God taught me a principle a long time ago through the leadership of the church. It says, Tom, that you can either exalt yourself and God will humble you, or you can humble yourself and one day God will exalt you. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather humble myself than be humbled by God. And I would much rather be exalted by God than exalt myself. You know, so I've learned that, you know, I have to keep my tongue in check. Because my mouth runs a lot faster than my brain. You know, and I've learned that it's a lot easier to be quiet and be angry than to be talking and be angry. Because how often have we said things in our anger that we're like, I can't get that back now. You know, and I learned that, you know, in my anger, I can say and do things that I regret. You know, so I have this little principle now that, if I'm really angry with someone, I wait 24 hours to talk to that person. And usually within that 24 hours, God deals with me, and I see how I'm actually more at fault than the other person. And a lot of times, the situation gets lifted, and I don't ever have to talk to the other person because it, it was my stuff anyway. And once in a while, you know, it actually is something that needs to be discussed, and I can go to the person without a high emotion and talk to the person, you know, because we all get angry now and again, don't we? And every once in a while we say things that we regret, don't we? You know, and I've learned that it's, I would much rather take my anger to God than unleash my anger on someone. You know, and, you know, there's times that I still slip. You know, I slipped this week and I yelled at somebody and I had to go back and apologize and say, I'm sorry. You know, I was sick and I wasn't feeling good and my grace tank was really low and I said some things that I regretted and I apologized, you know, and 
I'm so grateful today that I can do that because there was a time in my life that I would never have said I was sorry. You know, I would have been angry and I would have been wrong and I would have said something and I would have said, screw it, I'm just going to keep running with it. If they don't like it, tough. And I'm so grateful today that my heart has been softened to the Lord that I can admit when I'm wrong, you know, and, and continue to grow. You know, that these stories, you know, are, are made to help us to see that God is always in the midst no matter what's going on. You know, that humans are made with a royal image, that we're made in the image of God. And he has given us authority to rule over this earth, to rule over beasts, to rule over, you know, territories. However, God is the king of everything. You know, so if we forget that God's the one that's truly in charge and that he has a way of doing things and we start to do it our own way and we begin to rebel against God and we begin to rebel against other people, God has a way to bring things back into clarity. And usually it's not a lot of fun. You know, and when we rebel against God or rebel against people, usually painful things begin to come our way. You know, so, you know, God is showing us in his word how when men humble themselves to God, he takes care of them. When men rebel against God and exalt themselves, God takes care of them too. And it's two different sides of the equation or two different sides of the coin. However, same principle at play. You know, and it's so important that we realize that God is in charge. His word is more important than our feelings. Because a lot of times we live according to our feelings. Well, I think this and I think that and I feel this and I feel that. And it contradicts things that we know to be true in the Bible. But I want this and I want that and I want it now. You know, God just wants me to be happy. Well, that's not really in Scripture. You know, he wants you to be obedient. And you can rejoice in that obedience because God will provide and God will take care of this and God will do this and God will do that according to God's way and God's will. But a lot of times we don't like God's will because he makes us wait. Joy. Waiting is fun. But when we rebel against God and we do things our way and we take our will back into our home what normally happens is very painful. You know, not only do we hurt ourselves, but we hurt our loved ones, we hurt our, you know, friends and family, and we destroy our lives. I know for me, you know, as somebody that struggles with several different addictions, that if I open the door to one of them, normally two, three, four, all of them kind of come back with You know, and it's not like I can dibble and dabble. I'm a, an extremist. I go full steam ahead. So if I rebel against God and I take my will back into certain addictions, things get really crazy for me really fast. You know, and I've learned that I don't want to live that way anymore. I need to to stay put. Even when my emotions are are screaming on the inside of me, I realize that this is only going to get worse if I take my will back. You know, and I've learned that It's much better to sit still for a minute and see what's going to take place than respond to my emotions and and go crazy. You know, as we continue through this book, we see that Daniel now is put into the same situation that his buddies were because 
they made a law that said that you couldn't, you know, worship anybody but the king. You know, and Daniel didn't hide it, but he was worshiping God in his window. And they told the king, and the king got upset, and he got brought before the king, and he was found guilty. So they decided that they were going to punish him by throwing him in the lion's den. And once again, God takes care of Daniel in this situation where he would normally have been ripped to bits. You know, he spends the night with the lions and nobody, none of the lions touched him. So once again, he's brought out of this situation. And once again, the king sees how Daniel's God is the one true God and he worships. So, you know, are we going to get thrown in a lion's den anytime soon? No, I would put a lot of money on the fact that I don't think any of us are going to die that way. However, some of us go to work and you're facing some lions. Some of us go home and there's people roaring back at us. You know, that there's times that, we, you know, we may feel threatened emotionally or even physically. You know, and it's important that we honor God in these situations. Now, if anybody's in a physically abusive situation, I'm not saying that you should stay there. Please hear what I'm saying. But I am saying as you honor God and you do things his way, he has a way of of turning situations around that seemingly seem dismal. And as we honor God, God takes care of us and other people see that our God is bigger than what they could ever anticipate. You know, I know for me, you know, it's funny, you know, I've been out of Binghamton, you know, since 2002, you know, so over 16 years, you know, and I've been saved for the last 12 and some change, you know, and my social media represents Jesus in every way that I can and funny animal videos. <laughs> but every now and again, I'll stumble across someone And they thank me for what I post on Facebook because I'm representing them or I'm representing him and they see that. You know, I've had one friend tell me that he's now saved and going to church. And I had a big part to play with that and didn't even know it. I have another friend who technically, after they broke up, I ended up having sex with his baby mama, which is a no-no. Not just in sin, but in, you know, the, you know, the laws of brothers. And he hated my guts. And now he's a Christian. He, he reaches out to me on a regular basis. You know, God has a funny way of moving in our lives. And he uses all sorts of things. You know, back in the day when I first became, you know, on social media and, and being on Facebook, would I have ever thought that that could have been a ministry tool? No, I don't think that I, I, I would say no. I think that this is stupid. However, I can see now today how it is useful, but it also can waste a lot of my time. So, we have to be <laughs> careful with all that stuff. You know, as we live our lives and represent God to the best of our ability, not that any of us will be perfect, And it's almost better when we can admit that we're not perfect because so often they think that we're supposed to be perfect and because they know that they can't be perfect, they don't want what we have. 
But when we can show them that we can boast in our weakness that I'm struggling too, I just rely on Jesus instead of drugs and alcohol and people, that they begin to see that maybe this is something that they can grab a hold of. You know, and we can talk about how Jesus set us free. You know, and we can share our experience, strength, and hope. And we can share what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. And we can share our I statements. And I went through this and this is what happened. And Jesus told me this and this is what I did and this is how it turned out. So it's so important that we're representing him to the best of our ability in all these different situations. You know, these stories, you know, are hard for us to really wrap our mind around from a, a Christian point of view in America. You know, in other countries, there's lots of different persecution. You know, that there's Burmese that are here from their country that are missing parts of their arms, hands, you know, because they stood up for Jesus. You know, there's other places in this world where you could be killed pretty quickly if you stand up for Jesus. You know, we are very blessed here in America to the sense that we can meet on a Friday night and I can talk about Jesus and we're not going to have anybody run through the door, that we're not in fear of our faith, at least not yet, anyway. You know, that, but that these stories provide hope and faith in spite of persecution. You know, even though it's pretty safe for us, even though, you know, we're not, really risking bodily harm, that when you talk about Jesus in public settings, a lot of times we get attacked. And it's still important that we, we talk about Jesus. You know, I know that I'm not the only one to play a part in this, but I, I do believe that, you know, I have played a part. You know, I remember stepping into AA in 2002, being an atheist, and everyone's talking about a God of their understanding. I didn't hear a lot about Jesus. And then since my salvation, and I go into the rooms and talk about how Jesus changed my life, I'm watching more and more and more and more and more people talking about Jesus in a place that a lot of people don't like it Then you talk about Jesus. And there's been times where the majority of the people that I've sat in a meeting with went to church with me that day. Now... To me, that, that's God's hands moving. That's not Tom. However, I do believe that as I step up and be bold for my faith, that other people can take a step too because they realize that, one, it's important to share where they're at and what they're going through. You know, But it's important for us to share about the God that we believe in. You know, And I once in a while when I get a little bit of kickback from them, I, I tell them that it's your fault. You're the one that told me I needed a higher power. Now I've got one. you got to listen to the one I got. So if you would have left me alone in my atheism, you would have never had to hear about Jesus. So thank you, all of you agnostics, telling me that I needed God in my life. And now i got some Jesus, and you're going to hear me talk about the one who changed my life, because I used to be pretty hopeless, busted, and disgusted, and now I'm pretty free, and I thank you very much for telling me that I needed a higher power. But by the way, Jesus is amazing, and he's the only one that really matters. So I just, you know, I'm very grateful. You know, I don't talk down about AA. I still go to AA. You know, and I think that it's an important piece to my life because it helps me balance 
two different worlds. You know, I am completely set free in Christ, but at any given day, if I make the wrong decision, I could be back where I came from. You know, and I need that balance. It's just me. You know, as I have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the rooms, it helps me continuously stay sober and grow emotionally and spiritually. So why stop what's been working? And through the years of all the people that I hear relapse, one of the main components of why they did is they stopped going to meetings. You know, and to me, I am tired of going backwards. I just want to continue to press forwards. So I make meetings a part of my life. You know, and it's continued to help me to grow. <clears throat> you know, as we continue to, to find hope and faith in Christ, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of things not going our way, and in the midst of, you know, suffering, you know, sometimes our, our human kingdoms get pulled down. You know, God has these principles that you see all throughout Scripture. One main theme that you're going to continue to read and see over and over and over again is to fear not and to trust Him. But so often our fear is a lot higher than our faith. You know, our fear is screaming at us and our Jesus is sitting on the table and that book hasn't been opened in a while. I would say that I'm a believer, but what I really believe is my emotions. You know, and as we get into our word and we come across scriptures that all of a sudden I'm in this random book and all of a sudden what I'm reading is exactly what I'm going through, we know that God just spoke to us off those pages of a book that's thousands of years old. You know, and I would say that that's God's word. I would say that it's perfect. I would say that it's his breath that's been breathed into my life. And I believe that it's absolutely important that all believers are reading it on a, on a regular basis. You know, and even though I read it almost every day, I should read it more. You know, however, you know, it's important that we're praying. You know, a lot of times prayer is the last place we turn. A lot of times Bible is the last place we turn. You know, and it's so important that we're turning to God in, in these situations that we're going through, whether it's court, whether it's our family, whether it's our kids, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our parents, whether, you know, it's whatever. Have we been talking to God about it? Have we been looking up scriptures about it? Have we been seeking his word and saying, how should I handle this? Or am I just letting my emotions run and I'm just doing whatever I feel? I know for me, when my feelings are leading the way, I'm heading in the wrong direction. You know, and I also see something over and over and over again is God wants us to be patient. You know, be still and know that he is God. So often the situation isn't getting handled as fast as we'd hope. And we're like, well, I'll just help you. We try helping Jesus. And all of a sudden that little tiny fire turns into a bonfire really fast. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And we try to back up, but we already set something in motion. You know, today I've learned that I would much rather be patient than in a situation that I wish that I wasn't. You know, and I see a lot of times as, as people run forward, they get themselves in these situations. And it's like, it doesn't mean that God can't move and it doesn't mean that God's not still in the midst of it. But it's like, you started something, now that thing's in motion. And I've learned to wait. And I'm grateful that he's taught me that because I was very in, 
very, very impatient for many, many years. You know, but as Christians, we need to learn to wait on the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean just sit around twiddling our thumbs. You know, as David wrote, waiting on the Lord in the Psalms, you know, in the terminology, in, in the in the language, in the text, you know, we've translated it, wait on the Lord. But it was very similar to a hunter in the woods waiting for that deer to come across his, his way. You know, you have to be waiting with anticipation to seize the moment. But you also have to be prepared. You know, if we just, you know, sit around doing nothing, we're not going to get a job. You know, if we, you know, are doing certain things or doing other things and we're not paying attention to what God's asking us to do, then it's not going to happen the way we'd hoped it would happen. However, if I run out and do it my way, I can put myself in, in a bad situation. So the point that I'm trying to make is that we need to seek God. We need to be careful. We need to be patient. We need to seek counsel. We need to talk to people. We shouldn't just base our decisions on our emotions. However, we need to be moving too. You know, something that AA taught me is that action is, needs to be a part of my life. You know, in action, you know, principles, you know, moving forward, there's work to be done. However, at certain times, you, I've reached the limit of what I'm capable of doing and God's just like, wait. And usually inside of me, I'm like screaming and I'm like, you know, I, I want it now. But I've learned through the years that if I try to run forward, it just makes it worse. You know, and I'm tired of going around certain mountains in my life, so I wait on him. You know, you know, I always used to say that God is slow. Well, God is just slow. He just moves so slow. But what I've come to learn is his timing is perfect. You know, what was slow to me, God knew was going to take place. You know, something that blew my mind once upon a time when I, I heard a, a pastor preach on this is that long before Zacchaeus ever climbed the tree to see Jesus, there was a seed in that ground that grew. That God provided a tree a decade or more before Zacchaeus was ever going to climb it to see Jesus. There's things at work in our lives that have been going on for a long time that at just the right moment, it's going to be in the right place for us to, to be where we need to be for God to move in a very powerful way. You know, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we struggle, when is God going to do it? You know, and one of the things that I, I've wrestled with is it's not if, but it's when. It's not if God can. It's not if God will. It's just when will he? So I struggle with when, not the if. I believe in God's ability to do things. My struggle was waiting on his timing. When is he going to do it? Well, it's some things are not for me to know. It's for me to trust. It's for me to have faith. It's for me to believe. It's for me to walk it out. You know, and, you know, and it's so important that we trust in him. And the best way to, to really learn to trust in him is to be in his word, to be in you know prayer, to have this relationship with him, that God answers our prayers. You know, technically every prayer is answered. Sometimes it's no. 
Sometimes it's wait. And sometimes it's yes. And I know for me that God tells me no a lot more than He tells me yes. But you know what? I'm very grateful for the yeses in my life because if I got yes to everything that I've ever asked for, it wouldn't be what I wanted. And it wouldn't be Him. You know, and Garth Brooks wrote a song many, many years ago, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. And that's always rang in my head. That there's things that I'm, I've prayed for in my life that as seasons pass, I look back at and I'm very grateful that God didn't give me what I wanted. That He gave me Him. And I'm so grateful that I have more of Him today than the things that I thought that I wanted. You know, it's very important that we trust in the Lord. You know, He's rescuing us. He's already rescued us. He's continuing to rescue us. He's got a purpose for us. He's got a plan for us. That His kingdom and His situations, as we acknowledge Him and we put Him the God of our lives, the God of our kingdoms, the God of our situations, and we represent Him to the best of our ability, He delivers us from all sorts of different things. You know, all throughout this book, you see this message of hope. You see this message message of faithfulness. You know, and I want to be I want to be faithful to God. You know, I quit everything I've ever started. I ran from everything that was difficult. You know, and Jesus has made me into a man of faith, and He's made me faithful. You know, and I, and I believe that that His ways are better than my own. And it's because I continually talk to him and I continually press into his word. You know, I've read it several, I've read the whole book several times now. And there's days that I'm reading it and I'm like, I don't remember reading this. I know I have. But all of a sudden, today's the day that that popped off the page. Why? God's speaking to me. God's speaking to you. You know, there's been many times in the mornings as we're praying and reading together and someone reads something, they're like, oh, look at that. Or, hey, what's this? You know, and God's talking to us all the time. So I just really encourage you to try to tune his voice in to the best of your ability. You know, I really encourage you, you know, to to spend some more time in your word. You know, I know that this is a really crazy, busy time for most of us. But the new year is coming and it's a good time to start your, you know, dedication you know, and different things. You know, a lot of times we do a Bible reading plan for the year and we start in January and we start reading through it. You know, but I encourage you to pray and ask God what He wants you to do because a lot of times we can just go through the religious motions of things and it's still not doing what it could be doing if we were actually doing what He asked us to do. Make sense? You just bow your heads with me. Lord, I just thank You so much. I thank You for all that You're doing. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you deliver us from situations. I thank you that as we honor you, you take care of us, Lord. And even when we fall short, you still take care of us, Lord. That you are faithful to us, that you are with us each and every step of each and every day. Lord, I just pray that you would break off areas that we're struggling with. I ask you to break off areas of depression, areas of insecurity areas in our minds that continue to race. Lord, I pray that you bring peace to our minds. You bring love and joy into our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we continue to press forward, Lord, we would see breakthrough in the areas that we 
are, are pressing forward and waiting on. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many.